Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the Savvy Millennial Podcast, a community dedicated to ambitious and successful millennial entrepreneurs. And today with us, we have Nick Silva. He's a digital entrepreneur, organic marketer, and host of the Under the Influence live broadcast. He's also the founder of Funnel Factory, a leading digital marketing agency specializing in sales funnels design and organic marketing. His company has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs, coaches, and influencers master the art of sales funnels. During his broadcast, he interviews popular media figures to give insights on how their successes are portrayed online versus how they actually happened in real life. And this episode is filled with realness. Nick will be sharing his growth tips and secrets on scaling your business. We will discuss mindset goals and his documentary that he's currently working on right now, where he wants to showcase it all and provide a real world perspective on the amazing benefits of social media. He'll cover people he meets, influencer marketing DLC brokers, travel hacking methods, social impact, as well as what it actually takes to accomplish these goals, the everyday sacrifices, the challenges of entrepreneurship, the failures he faces on a daily basis, and so much more. And this episode is filled with value, so let's just jump right in. Hi, Nick. It's so awesome to have you here with us. Hi, how you doing? I appreciate you for having me on. I'm good. I'm good. Super excited to have you here to talk about marketing and funnels, basically anything else in between starting your own business, starting a show and trying to sell it to Netflix. And with that, I guess, uh, why don't you tell us more about what you do and what you're planning to do? Sure. So I'm an organic marketer, or at least I'm calling myself that now. I really specialize in sales funnels. So the process of getting you know cold leads and converting them into buyers or converting them into a warm audience and really the technology behind it. So uh, I'm a big tech nerd. I was in software consulting before going into entrepreneurship and uh, starting my own company. And recently I've been just focusing on organic marketing. So not using paid traffic. I think there's a ton of opportunities with some of the new social platforms coming out. And for most people, they don't really need the ads. So I've decided to just focus on the organic marketing and build organic funnels that allow people to put out really content, core pieces of content, go and get that cold traffic, convert them into a warm audience. They don't have to manage the Facebook ads. They don't have to go and manage too many systems. It makes it a lot more scalable in the beginning. And then once they figure out their perfect target audience, uh, then you can go and push the ads and and really try to scale that up. But um, So that's where I'm at. And then uh, this year, just an interesting note, uh, I'm going to be traveling the world doing the whole digital nomad lifestyle, which so many people are trying to do <clears throat> in an attempt to really just show people that it is possible um, and to document it all, the the ups, the downs, you know, the highs, the lows, the really the back end stuff of entrepreneurship that people don't typically put on Instagram. You know, everyone's living their best life on Instagram, but entrepreneurship is certainly uh, a challenging, um, you know, a challenging path. It's a great path. You can live that life of your dreams. And I want everyone to realize that, but I also want people to realize the struggles and uh, the sacrifices that you make on a day-to-day as an entrepreneur. I'm going to document it all. And I think I'm just crazy enough to maybe go and sell that to Netflix or something, but I guess we'll see. I love, I love the story. I love the idea. Okay. Let's unpack. First of all, marketing funnels, organic marketing. Uh How is it different from, I guess, first of all, what is organic marketing and how do funnels actually work? (laughs) 
So, I mean, you can use a sales funnel for anything if you have a source of traffic. When I say organic, I'm just not using the paid ads. So, I think the two biggest uh, organic opportunities for traffic right now are, are LinkedIn and then potentially Clubhouse. Um, I've been using the app. If you haven't heard of Clubhouse, it's, I don't want to say a voice messaging app, but it's live chat rooms where everyone's speaking. And you can go in and there might be 150 people in a room and people can start to talk about, let's say, marketing or, you know, think like Facebook communities that have a topic, but you can go in and conversate with people at any point in time. It's highly engaging because it's voice. So it's still relatively new, but as a social platform, you know, any type of, of new platform is going to give you that type of reach and the ability to truly get in front of a cold audience. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there. It's still developing uh, in terms of the most mature like social platform that actually gives you reach outside of, let's say, TikTok when it comes to like entrepreneurship and, and businesses. I think LinkedIn has the most potential. Gary Vee's been you know, talking about it for two years now. And uh, I've been using it and it's been great for me. And I still use Instagram more as like a business calling card, if you will, but the reach is not necessarily as organic as it used to be. So I think LinkedIn is the, uh, the best opportunity, but there's all these different ways to get traffic. Now, how do you actually get those leads into uh, a sale, right? And that's where the sales funnels come in. So there's different systems you can put in. There's, you know, Calendly, which is a very popular thing that people use to book calls. But if you just have a Calendly link in your bio, people aren't necessarily going to click that. And that's really where the funnels and the copywriting and, and all of those things come into play. So uh, I try to help people set up simple systems that they can manually do first and then progressively add in like Calendly links and progressively add in like CRMs to manage their leads and, uh, and really walk them up to what they would need so that they can scale with ads because I was doing like consulting before and I just came across a lot of people that were running ads and it's like they didn't even have the basic stuff that they need in place to, to be able to sustain the volume that you can get with ads. The process was broken. So it's like, it doesn't matter how good your ads are or how much money you pump into it. It's just fundamentally not going to convert. And I was like, let's take a step back. So I think the best example would just be to give you an example of an organic funnel. It kind of makes sense, right? So you send a video to someone, you've seen this with, uh, a lot of people are doing this now, but they'll send you a one minute video. And you know you have that saved on your phone and your photos and it's pretty much an introduction like, hey, how you doing? My name's Nick, uh, you know, I'm an organic marketer. These are some of the people I've worked with. These are some of the services I provide. I checked out your profile. You see if it could be a good fit. And if you want some more information, let me know and I'll send you a second follow-up video, which is pretty much a pre-qualification video, right? So you've probably seen people do this. It's a great, simple, organic funnel. You can send out, you know, 80, let's say for Instagram, you send out 80 videos a day, um, 80 DMs, and then a certain amount of people are going to respond because the video is a lot more engaging, like a text-based DM or, you know, that used to be good two or three years ago, but it's completely saturated now, 20 people trying to DM you a day and sell you growth services. You know, it's not going to work anymore. So uh, they send you a video, you get some more information, maybe they're interested and you send them a 10 or 15 minute video explaining your product or service in more detail. And then at the end of that video, you invite them to book a call, which is pretty much the simplest organic funnel. Then they hop on a call this way. They already know your offer. They know a little bit about you. They know your products or services and it's kind of a sales call 
you know, you're going to provide like a strategy session or, or some type of free value, but like they, they know what they're getting when they hop on the call and it's totally okay to make them an offer on the call for it to be kind of a sales call without having like high pressure sales tactics or anything like that. And it works out great for everyone. You test out your audience. Maybe you send out 20 DMs to people using hashtags. Maybe you send out 20 DMs to people who have similar followers to you. Uh, maybe you send out 20 DMs to, you know, people that are following a new page that you discovered and you see where your audience is at and it just allows you to be very manual, to move very fast. And then you take that message and that initial video that you sent that was one minute becomes your ad, right? And then the, the 10 to 15 minute video becomes a video sales letter on a landing page. And so it translates really well. Uh, you don't have to spend hundreds and, and thousands of dollars on ads for, for little result. And it allows the person who knows their business the best because no one's going to run a better ad than you. You know, let's face it, you know your business, you know your customers, you know your product or service better than anyone, not me. And so uh, it allows you to actually control that, right? Have control of, of your sales. And, and then once you figure out the message, you can go put that into uh, an ad network or something. So does that kind of make sense? What an organic funnel is, a very simple example maybe you could relate to. Hopefully that wasn't too much. Yeah, absolutely. The one thing that you said is, you know, you create that video and obviously you reach out to 80 people a day and then see what the feedback is. Mm -hmm. If it's not converting, then you probably should re-record that one minute video and uh, send something else. Exactly. And then iterate, iterate, iterate. And then once you find that one thing that's been working for you, that's what you put into your YouTube ads. Because I see that all the time, you know, with the clips on YouTube where guys introduce what they do and how they do it and then click on the link to see the process, something along those lines. Uh -huh. So I assume that's kind of how it works. Yeah. Okay. So then how are you scaling on LinkedIn? So are you sending the one minute videos to people on LinkedIn as well? I'm not. So LinkedIn is, is really interesting. There's an auto connector right now and it's kind of like, you know, Facebook or Instagram maybe two or three years ago. So uh, they haven't cracked down on automations. And I don't want to say LinkedIn's kind of spammy, but it's kind of spammy because it's, it's a lot of like older, uh, more experienced professionals and they almost have no clue what they're doing with social media. So they'll send you these direct messages and it's like immediately to an offer. And it's just so like professionally written that it just kind of sounds stuffy. And it's like, not only are you just sending me an offer that I don't necessarily want to buy, but it's not even like an like a casual conversation. Like it just sounds like a sales offer, you know? And it's usually not personalized as well. It's never like, yeah. Hey, I've noticed you do this and I checked out, you do this. I think this will be working for you. It's like, hello, yep. good day. I hope you're doing well. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And so it's like an email in a message. It's exactly like an email. It's like an email DM. It's so it doesn't really work that well, but this auto connector, right? This auto connector, it'll send out, let's say a hundred connections. So the thing with LinkedIn is that you don't get followers. Uh, you can send an unlimited amount of messages to your first degree connections. Whereas if you were paying for the premium service, in order to send a, a message to someone, you would need the in-mail, which is a premium service, and you only get like 15 messages to send. So the workaround is to connect with a lot of people a day, let's say a hundred people a day, it's become a pretty open network just because you don't know someone doesn't mean that you can't send them a connection request. So everyone's connecting with each other now. So let's say you send a hundred connection requests a day. Now, hold on. Do you put a message in the connection? Like, you know how you can personalize it or do you just connect? Yes. Uh, so that's a really interesting question. So the software that I use to do the connections, it doesn't allow you to just connect. Now, 
I am on, of the opinion that you might actually have a higher acceptance request if you don't put the message and that's not popular. I haven't been able to test this out, but it's because LinkedIn has become so non-genuine with the connections that people, like, they're not going to read the message. So, and so if you just send a connection request and there's no context and they look at your profile, they're like, okay, why not? You know? So, so maybe it, you know, so this is for someone to test out because of the, the software that I use to make those connection requests, they forced you to use a message. But before when I was manually doing it, which is pretty quick, you can go in and just click a bunch of connections. I, I honestly think that it might have a higher acceptance rate, but I send a message. So I do send a personalized message. So software, right? For everyone who is, I mean, during this COVID uh-huh. situation, everybody's trying to pivot, connect, figure out how to use social media. Yes. Um, what software do you use? <laughs> it's called Connected. I think connected.org is the company. So they're scaling pretty fast, but they have a great, they have a great service. And it'll send out those connection requests. At the same time, it'll send up a follow-up message. So the thing is like everybody knows that direct messages have a much higher open rate than email marketing. So the great thing about email marketing is that you can send like drip campaigns though. So you can, you can send like testimonials and results and you can just chuck value and offers at people to then kind of, you know, as they're teetering on your offer, they tip towards buying your product or service or let's just say getting some value from you. I don't, you don't want to say like, oh, you're just selling them worthless stuff, right? But they want to come into your ecosystem. They buy something from you. And so direct messages are a lot better because they have a, a much higher open rate, but you previously didn't have the chance or it was difficult outside of using like many chat or something to send like drip campaigns, like multiple message sequences on autopilot. And so Connected allows you to do that and so you, let's say you send hundred requests, you get 40 of them accepted. Then you can send an automatic, Hey, thanks for accepting my request. Uh, you know, and ask them a question because your whole goal is to get a response with organic marketing in general. And then especially cold outreach with messages, you want it to be personalized. So you don't really want to make them an offer first until you get a response. They're never going to buy anything from you. So you want to simply just get a response. Right. And I'll actually ask them, uh, this is kind of my sequence is like, Hey, are you also on Instagram or you just use LinkedIn? It's a very simple, genuine question. That way I get their Instagram. So I can always carry the conversation later on a, on a different social media platform. I can leverage my follower base on there and they can see a certain level of uh, credibility if you want to call it that. And then I'll get them to respond. And then once they respond and say, Oh, you know, I'm not on Instagram or, you know, here's my handle. Then I might send them a free training video, which is no different than the original uh, organic funnel that I was talking about with the video. Uh, I'm not sending them a video, but either way, I'm sending them the same type of training video for more information or something like that, right? So it might be a free training on, hey, here's organic marketing funnels uh, or Instagram live broadcasting. That's something I'm trying to pioneer um, that no one's really talking about. I can talk about it at the end. I think it's really interesting, but... So it'll send the connection request on autopilot and, uh, and then it'll send a drip campaign to these people until you get a response. So, um, that's kind of, you know, a lot, but in, in simple terms, let's say you pay 150 bucks a month for this subscription. Now that could be a more expensive subscription, but the ability to send a hundred connections requests a day and to have that amount of volume is significantly cheaper than if you were to pay for ads to get people to watch your free training video. So that's really the point is that from like market evaluation standpoint is a lot more cost effective per lead 
to use this LinkedIn auto connector feature and drive that traffic to your free training video than it would cost you to run ads on say Facebook or Instagram uh, like per person that watches the video. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. So I love, I love this and I want to unpack it. So for me, for example, I want to create a bunch of leads for either my business or I'm a professional, a sales professional. I'm looking for obviously companies, sure. people, whatever that might be. Maybe I'm a coach. Maybe I have a software business and I'm hooking up to the software that you said connected.org uh -huh. and then, you know, pay for the LinkedIn premium subscription. Then how do I find, how do I tell the software or LinkedIn, the people that I want to connect to? Because it's supposed to be automatic. I'm not supposed to sit there and pick people. Sure. Unless, is that the case? <laughs> <laughs> no. So that's a great question. So the search URL. So when you go to LinkedIn, uh, they have the search feature and you can look at different profiles by like maybe their profession, by their location, by their job title, by whether they're a second or third degree connection. So you have all these different filters when you want to go and search and find people. And that's the great thing about LinkedIn is that there's so much data on there. That's why people have been using it for sales for so long, at least like true uh, professionals and for business. And so uh, you put that search URL into the uh, connected software and then it will go through one by one, everyone in that, in that search parameter list. So that's all you have to do is you do that search, you filter out the people that you want, and then you upload that search URL into connected. It'll go through the first hundred people and um, that's it. Got it. You see that, that makes sense about the URL upload. Now in terms of the human beings that you try to attract, like, do you have any tips or tricks? Like, are you looking for a certain title? Are you looking for a certain location? Are you trying to do everywhere in North America? Are you trying to be more, you know, local? What are your, some of your advice? I really depends on your business. So, for me personally, like coaches, consultants, uh, those are going to be like my target audience, maybe some keynote speakers, stuff like that. So I'll put those search terms in and then I will filter by second and third degree connection because I don't want to send this like a, a specific connection to someone who's already in there, uh, already connected with me. And then uh, I'll usually choose US if I want to focus on the US. And I don't, I don't filter by company, but you know, it depends on, uh, you can use I don't want to say more advanced search features, but you know how you can use um, like parentheses and to search specific terms. Like there are yep. ways to search on Google. Yes. Yeah, so you can use them uh, the same on LinkedIn and get more finite, but really, I mean, if you just put in business coach and you just let that run, you know, it's a hundred connections a day. Um, you're going to get, as long as your profile is, is clean and you have a well-written bio and maybe you actually have some personal branding as your background and, and just some of those aesthetics things that you would, you would want to have, you're going to get a good amount of those requests accepted. So if you think about it that way, it's like if you get 40 connections a day, um, well, it's almost like getting 40 followers a day. Cause if you go and push a piece of content on LinkedIn, a good portion of them are going to see that cause there still is reach. So to get 40, 40 connections a day or 40 followers a day on Instagram, if you want to translate it that way, is, uh, is pretty difficult to do in, in 2020. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I think everybody should be getting more into that because you don't even need to have an offer. Obviously with you, yeah. you have a specific product that you're trying to sell. But for a lot of people who are just starting out, if you just connect with people relevant in your industry, build a community, yep. and then maybe with your posts, articles, whatever you are 
promoting, you just post it from your profile. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to send them additional DMs. You can just post the stuff that you know about. Yeah. I think that brings value in that later on, once you have a product, absolutely, it creates the connection and people will feel more welcome because they've been there for a while and they feel like they know you. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, putting out uh, content is always going to be for organic marketing. Like they're all content platforms. The platforms don't exist without content. So like they're great because there's an audience you can get in front of. So you can go and make sales and monetize that. But it all starts with content. So, you know, when I was starting uh, in just, let's call it entrepreneurship, I just started on building a personal brand. I didn't even know my market. I didn't even know the service I was going to provide. And I think that's how most people start. And it's just such a great, simple way to say, hey, I'm going to go put out pieces of content that I think are interesting to me. And, you know, my community will kind of come and attract and engage with me, um, you know, over time. You're going to figure out the people that are, you know, in your network, the people that you want to be targeting and engaging with. Uh, people can call it your tribe, right? You know, your, your community, your tribe. You're going to figure out who they are just by putting out content and giving value without having to make that offer. And then you can always go and, and monetize those, you know, those people down the road. You can figure that out later, but just starting by putting out content is key. And you have to put out content. You can't just send DMs and not put out content, right? Let me, let me say that. Like it's, it's a requirement, you know, it's a non-negotiable. You have to put out some type of content. I like it. Non-negotiable. Okay. So then for your customers, you help them to figure out their customer persona because in order for you to run the proper funnels and ads, mm -hmm. you need to know who you're targeting. So there's one interesting piece of content I listened to and they said that if you don't know who your customer persona is, think about you a little bit before <laughs> and then and then base it on that. Sure. So now what is your tool of figuring out who that ideal customer is? Yeah. So for me, when I'm launching a new offer, um, I do two things. Uh, I think face-to-face -face conversations on Zoom are really the most powerful. When you can actually hear from people what their struggles are, what they want, that's going to be the most valuable information. So what I would do when I'm launching a new offer is set up free strategy calls. And people kind of think of these in the wrong way. Like it's not a strategy call is not necessarily a sales call. It's a legitimate strategy call. If you're an expert in something or you're knowledgeable of some area, you want to give a like action plan to somebody who might need your help, right? and give them a free training or give them some free consultation because you are an expert to someone to give them to take and go implement. And on that call, you're like, Hey, I'm going to give, you know, I'm going to teach you how to build an organic sales funnel. And I'm going to give you this blueprint to go take it and apply into your business. And I'm going to talk with them about their business. What do they need help with? And I'm going to hear that people are struggling with conversions. And so I can tell them about voice messaging and how that's a lot more powerful and uh, a lot more personalized, right? I think I sent you a voice message. I know. That's why I'm smiling because that's literally what you said in your voice message. And you're probably one of the first maybe people who is sending those. And I thought that was such a cool thing. Yeah. Voice messages are really the way to go. So I had JT Fox on uh, my, my live broadcast yesterday and uh, he said the same thing. He was like, I get a thousand messages a day. And for you, I said, yes, I thought your approach was really good. And my approach isn't all that great. It's just a voice message is so much more personalized and you condense that conversation. I mean, you're fighting for that three second attention span with people today online. No one really wants to sit and, and talk for five messages, especially B2B or like, you know, 
people that are people are busy. So you send a voice message, you can make that personal connection. And then I've also found that voice messages, they have a higher response rate, but also there's more immediacy with voice messages. And if you think about it intuitively, like humans, if you miss a call, you know, you're probably going to call that person back in an hour or two versus a text message. You could probably ignore that for eight hours and like not feel bad, right? Maybe not feel terrible. There's just a higher urgency when there's voice involved, thinking of it like a call. And so people will typically respond faster when I send a voice message than just a text-based DM that gets kind of ignored and, and pushed into the inbox. So now can you do that on LinkedIn too, or you just do it on Instagram? You can do that on LinkedIn. You can. Yeah, you can do that on LinkedIn. Uh, but I don't know uh, the users of LinkedIn. I'm still trying to figure out. I mean, it's been great so far, but like, are they on the desktop or are they on the mobile? And so that, that really determines how well the voice message does, because I, I don't know if people play stuff out of their, out of their computer. I mean, everyone's home now, but you can send voice messages. I still send voice messages on LinkedIn. So to answer that question, yes. And your conversion rate is pretty good because that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, should I start doing that on LinkedIn? Yeah. Because I, for some reason, I have this misconception that like uh-huh. you're not supposed to use it like Instagram. No, you should be using it like Instagram. You should be, you should be getting that attention. Uh, I think that was the biggest thing that, that held me back was just like caring too much. Like you're not going to damage your reputation by sending a voice message. You know what I mean? Like if anything, they're not going to respond to you anyway. So might as well just send the voice message and, and then you're done. But yeah, just post tons of content. Yeah. That was really what held me back was I was like, Oh, like it's gotta be the best content. You know, it's gotta be like beautiful with Instagram. Like, okay. So that, that is the whole, that was my other thing that I went to get into with you because it used to be that you had to tailor the content and it had to be curated and edited and beautiful. And now it seems like all the accounts that are scaling, the less effort you put in <laughs> the better. Uh-huh. And I just had, so I started a TikTok in March Great. and I was like, okay, this is stupid. I don't know how to do it. So I dropped it. Uh-huh. And then in November, I picked it up and I was like, okay, everybody's saying it's, it's working. I'm like, let's try it. Uh-huh. I think I posted uh, one video and it was of me. I think it was like pretending to do a Zoom call or like, you know, when you're on video and when you're on your phone on a conference call and your boss says, let's get on video. Uh-huh. And then I was trying to like scramble to put something on and look good for the video call. That video got a million views. No way. And the best part is I recorded it once. I didn't re-record it. And I was like, yeah, let's try it. How, how, how? Teach, teach us how to create great content that, that scales every time. Uh, yeah, I haven't figured out TikTok. That's amazing. So the reach on TikTok is supposed to be the best. And this is where, you know, my, one of my shortcomings is like, you have to focus on a couple of different platforms and like how you make the videos on TikTok is a little bit different, but they are, I don't want to say lower quality, but it's not, the production is not supposed to be there. They're not supposed to be production quality. It's just about pure entertainment. And it's great because you don't need to pump, you know, tons and tons of time, even though people do spend time editing them. That's amazing. You got a, a million views. So maybe you could teach me something. No, it's, it's by a fluke. I, I don't know. I've been trying to recreate that since for the past month. And I don't know how. I don't know what scaled. I tried the hashtags. I tried the timing. I tried the music, the everything. Huh? It doesn't, it doesn't repeat itself. <laughs> so yeah. I also realized that a lot of people, what they do is they take videos from TikTok that they recorded and they put it on Instagram. Yes. 
Is that a good thing to do? Is it a bad thing to do? Sure. Yeah. You want to repurpose your content. So this is a, a great way to, for me to bring in live broadcasting. So, I mean, the biggest challenge for business owners, entrepreneurs, creatives, really anybody is content takes time to produce. Even if it's a simple, quick video edit on TikTok, it's like, you got you probably got to put like a half hour into that, you know? And then it's like, you want to put other pieces of content out and go photo shoot and, and record you know, educational videos. It's like, you could just spend your entire day getting content like real quick. Right. So you want the most fast and efficient way to get multiple pieces of content, really kind of kill two birds with one stone. So Gary V recommends, and he talks about this, that he uses his keynote speeches and he just cuts them up. So he'll do one keynote speech. It's got, you know, 45 minutes of material and then he'll cut that up a million different ways and post it on LinkedIn, on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter, just all over the place, right? Upload some videos to YouTube and he'll kind of test out what people engage with the most from that speech. So it's a great way to figure out what people are interested in from your audience. But so what I've been doing, and I think this is going to be the next, let's call it big thing. Uh, like podcasting was two or three years ago and like YouTube was five years ago is live broadcasting. So not just hopping on live and, you know, just having fun, but like actually having a live broadcast show. And here's why. So it has to do first with the content and like everybody needs traffic, but you can do a live broadcast and you have a guest on, let's say I have you on my live broadcast and we talk for 45 minutes. Well, it's video. So it's visual. Right. And so I can tip it's similar to a keynote speech. You know, you're an expert. I'm an expert. I hate to use the term experts, but you know, you know what I'm saying, right? Like we're both knowledgeable in some area. We can provide value to each other, have a great intelligent conversation. And I can cut that up into six or seven great clips and then post that to multiple different social media profiles. So that's exactly what I'm doing right now. And I can cut up clips of myself. I can cut up clips of you. So it's the most efficient way instead of trying to get just tons of different educational videos and pieces of content. I literally just say, I'm going to do two or three live broadcasts a week. And I have now more content than I've ever had that's visual and, and video, right? I can also take that and upload it to YouTube as a full video. I could take the audio and upload that to a podcast because it's run podcast style. So the, the difference between live broadcast and a vlog or like what's the, how, how they're different? Well, a pre-recorded interview on video. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's the same exact thing. It's live. So people can engage live. They can, you know, ask questions live. So it's really not any different, but to do it as like a show and to have videos like a, it's the same as vlogging. It's just live. You have a guest on. You don't need expensive video editing though, uh, costs like YouTube and you don't need podcasting equipment. You just push a button, you're live in seconds. You know, all you need is a pair of headphones and your phone. And then it's just a great way to leverage each other's audiences as well. So I'm like, how do you get any type of traffic on Instagram is, is really difficult on TikTok. It's, it's, you know, obviously the reach is there, got a million views, but the cool thing is that we can share each other's audiences. So when we go live together, you're going to have followers that are not currently following me, obviously. And the same for me. And it allows us to leverage each other's audiences. And it's the best way that I found to quickly get uh, followers that are interested in my content. So let's say I get 20 to 30 followers, you know, somewhere around that, depending on who I go live with. Every time I go live with that person, but you know, they made a decision to follow me. So it's not like an organic hack or like any automations. Like they came to my profile, they saw that I was 
uh, speaking with you know this person on the live and they decided to follow me because they're interested. And I'll usually get a bunch of inbound messages. Hey, I just saw your live with you know JT yesterday or or whatever. Thought you made some great points. That, that just sounds real stuffy, but you know they'll ask a question about the live, right? They'll interact on the live. So I think live broadcasting is the next big thing for for that reason that it gives you a way to get in front of a cold audience without having to build up that audience from zero with like podcasting. You need to go build up that listener base. You can drive traffic from other social media platforms, but if you host it on Apple Podcasts or something, you're not going to get a lot of you know organic downloads and, and stuff like that in the beginning. And this way, it's already there. The, the traffic's already there. You leverage your followers, but at the same time, it's video. So if I want to like promote this T-shirt and say, "Hey, my live is sponsored by Calvin Klein or something," you know, you don't even have to say anything. You just sit at Calvin Klein everywhere, and I feel like it's more of you know the placement in the ads or placement in the movies. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like the coffee, all of that, right? Or you could even do like a, a beginning promo. And that's the cool thing about podcasting is that you control the ads on your show. So like with YouTube, you make a certain cut of the ads run on your channel. Now, uh, video ads are more expensive than radio ads. You know, like a TV ad is like 10 to 100 times more expensive than, than a radio ad. So YouTube gets paid more, but you get a percentage. So you take home less of the actual profit. Whereas podcasting, there was the benefit of you get to work with that company directly. So it's like if that company wants to promote coffee on your show, they'll pay you directly and you charge them whatever you think is, is fair to, to promote that to your listeners. That's why I think live broadcasting is a tremendous opportunity because it's video, it's visual. I can literally just do a whole thing on today's show is brought to you by Calvin, whatever. I can do a skit. You know, I can keep people engaged. It's live. So they're engaging with me live. And then when I put it on IGTV, they watch it on replay. And, uh, but I can, I can barter with people the actual cost that if, if I want to go and run ads, which I think is really powerful, I'm trying to work with some companies right now. because I just officially branded my live broadcast show. Uh, I can charge more than like a podcast. So I, I still control, um, the show. I control the followers to a certain degree or the, the listeners. And I think it's just a huge opportunity for that. So for the live broadcast, it has to be on Instagram. Or is there another way to have a live broadcast? You can. You can uh, simulcast. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, to multiple channels like Vimeo and a lot of other services have popped up where you can just do a live and go on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on... Uh, I don't know if it's Twitter or like YouTube or Instagram. Now, I don't know. Uh, Instagram hasn't... I think they're working on a feature right now where you can do a live on Instagram and Facebook. They currently don't allow you. And for Instagram, I found it to be the best because it's the simplest to just push a button and there's a lot of followers there and it's just got the best, you know, like uh, ecosystem right now. But I don't think TikTok has live. Um, it has, it has live, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not the best person yet. So I, I've seen a lot of creators, they start live and it's usually just them and they talk about something. Um, but I mean, I don't know how much you can engage with it other than the traditional like follow. Now, for the broadcasting, how do you promote that beforehand? Do you like do you create a certain strategy for a week before, a month before, or not really? I'll usually do a couple of days before, uh, and I will push it out on, let's say, LinkedIn. I'll put out flyers, so I get a flyer made, and I try to promote it in advance. And the cool thing with uh, Instagram is they have that uh, reminder feature. 
So it's like, Hey, the countdown. And so they get a notification, which is awesome. And you know, if you have an email list and if you have, you know, like I said, uh, an automated messenger sequence on LinkedIn, like I can send out other, other uh, messages to my first degree connections and push it out any other way that you would push out other, other types of offers and traffic. So, um, but yeah, I think a day, a couple of days, you know, it really doesn't matter. I'll do it like the day before. Is there a best time to have a live? Is it morning, day, afternoon? When are people more active or receptive? For me, I found the afternoon is better. Um, I don't know if there's a best time, but it's going to depend on like your followers. And but I found the afternoon anytime for me, just based on my my current following uh, after 3 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, that I've gotten the most people to attend the live and to stay on and engage. But that's the cool thing is you get two touch points because it's like, hey, you're live. They get to ask questions in real time. It's just a, a much better experience. And then you just take that video and then you upload it and people can still comment on it afterwards. So they can watch it on replay. And it's just so efficient. It's just such a great way. But I'll let you know how the, so the, the live broadcast is going to be called Under the Influence. That's, uh, that's the official name. Yeah. So, so it hasn't started yet, right? So I did an episode yesterday and it was the first one I uploaded. I have the brand. Uh, so I'm getting the branding finished right now. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have that one as the first episode. So it was with JT Fox, who is the world's number one wealth and business coach. He's uh, like a world speaker, done real estate. He's done private equity. Like he's worth $100 billion. This guy's like a legit nine-figure entrepreneur. And he hopped on and gave me like some coaching and some advice and like really cool guy, but I was able to get him on. And so I think he gave a, it was a really good, really good interview. And I'm going to put that as the first live broadcast. Yeah. And that's it's going to be part of the whole documentation journey. I like it. So then how long should your live be? If somebody's starting or thinking about getting into this, how long should they budget in terms of time? Yeah. I don't think it really matters. I mean, it's, it's the same thing as a podcast. It's just like a visual podcast. It's just an easier way to launch a podcast because the traffic's there and the, the video component of it just allows you to get that content. But I, I'd say 45 minutes is, is good. Like a, a 45 minute pot, you know, anywhere between 30 to 45 minutes. If you want to go longer, by all means, I mean, your icon's going to stay up on on the story so people like joe rogan just do three to four hours exactly it's like full content <laughs> yeah it just doesn't stop but i mean he's got one of the most engaging podcasts so people listen to it they'll listen to the three the uh, full three or four hours so yeah it depends on who you have on you know what kind of show you want to run i like it okay so we discussed the marketing the broadcasting now building your own business so you used to work in the corporate world switched into entrepreneurship what are the tips, advice, struggles that you didn't think were going to happen, but happened? Sure. So I think um, there, there's going to be the struggles. You need to make sure that you have a consistent, you need to make sure you have some business. Like don't, don't go and quit and not have, you know, like obviously, right? It's so, so obvious, but like people do that. I've talked to a couple of people that have done that. So like, make sure you have a way of getting sustainable leads or, you know, sustainable referrals or like you have a, a real business. Don't just be like, Oh, I hate my job and, and quit. And I think in the beginning, like if there's just one piece of advice I could just give to anybody who's going and wanting to do entrepreneurship, if I could just condense it down to one thing, it's just don't have a perfect plan. Just go and, and take action. You can probably make your, your plan in the first five minutes. It probably takes five minutes for you to make some type of strategic plan. And then after that, it's all execution. So 
it's not going to be perfect. You're going to figure it out along the way. You're going to learn and grow along the way. That's the whole point behind entrepreneurship is that it's adaptability. I think that's the key to success is you're going to have to figure out how to grow and how to change and how to adapt. So don't worry about having everything planned out perfectly to the T and just go and do it. Think of an idea, you know what you have to do and, and go and, and go and take action on it and focus more on completing things per day than having, having the perfect, the perfect plan. So that would be my, my one piece of advice in the beginning. I wanted everything to be so, so, you know, in the box, just, just perfectly planned. And it just doesn't work out that way. You know, the best businesses constantly adapt and reinvent themselves all the time. That's how you stay in business. It's not like a business that started 20 years ago is probably still doing the exact same thing they were doing. Like they've come out with new offers, new ways to provide value to people. They've shifted with the market. Obviously everybody shifted the past six months to go online with the whole pandemic. So yeah, just be adaptable and just enjoy it. You know, you got to enjoy the process. Take, take the pressure off of yourself to compare yourself to other people online. It's like, it's your journey and, and enjoy it. Enjoy the learning experience because it is great and it's fulfilling. I like it. Just start starting and you don't compare your page one to someone else's page 20. I, I really resonate with it. Okay. So you're not making the full plan, but you still have some kind of small plan. At which point do you quit your job? Are you supposed to start making money with your side hustle? Are you supposed to start seeing the results within a certain amount of time? Like what's that magic formula where you can definitely take the plunge? Yeah, I think when you can cover your expenses is, is when you should quit. And it just gives you, or, or if you have, if you have savings and I'm not going to be like, oh, it's three months savings, it's six months savings. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, it depends for the person. So it's really a feeling though. Like I had uh, savings and I had the means to go and quit. And I got to a point in my job where I was just like, I can't stand this anymore. Not that I hated my job. Like I had a great corporate consulting job and I love the people I work with. And it was the best like cushy corporate job you can get. I was flying all over the place. I was traveling. I was meeting with the executives. I got paid really well, but it was just an internal calling. I was like, I need to go start this business. I need to do it. I want to focus all my time and attention on it because that's the only thing I thought about was trying to grow this, this side freelance business and sales funnels. It's just, I just love sales funnels. So, um, and it was very simple. It was a very simple decision to say, I want to go do this full time. And I had the financial means to do it, but I think it's really a calling. And when you get that feeling of, Hey, I want to go do this, uh, go all in and, and don't look back, you know, make the commitment. But to say that it's, it's different and unique for everybody, how much, you know, income you're making. So I had, you know, a certain amount of, of projects that I was doing like freelancing consulting stuff. But I think enough that you can cover your expenses. That way you don't have to worry uh, when a few months goes by and, you know, you have like expenses coming up and bills and because it's hard to think when you feel the pressure to pay for stuff and sustain your life. You know what I mean? Like you can't really think as an entrepreneur. And I agree with you. I think that's, that's the thing you nailed it uh, right on the head because you do need a certain amount of nest egg, so to speak. Yes to be safe because you don't want to be freaking out four months down the road if yep. your so-called new plan took a little bit longer and now you are starving and you can't pay rent, right? Exactly. Um, so I, I think there is a formula of like, you know, have a good nest egg saved up, make sure that if you have to pivot, you have some savings and you have some cushion. 
And then I feel like that moment when you feel like your time could be spent better mm-hmm. or you could be more productive and generate more out of the hours that you're spending your job. I think, I think that's what you're saying. Like that's, that's the calling. It is absolutely. Yeah. Get out and start, start starting that business. <laughs> just go do it. Yeah. Just go do it. I like it. Okay. So if somebody's starting and they are business, they're side hustle, trying to pivot, what would be your recommendation as a consultant, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as a marketer, everything? Sure. So when I was doing consulting, I had this, uh, had this like diagram, really five questions I would ask any business. And this is what I use to evaluate my business today to decide you know, if I want to go make some changes or how I could improve. So the first uh, five questions, the first three are related to sales because you don't have sales, you don't have leads, you don't, you don't have a business. So you need sales, you need leads. Sales come from leads and um, sales come from conversion of those leads. So the first question I ask is, how well are you getting leads? So you need to start thinking about like the operations of your business. Not that you want to go pursue your, your passion here. Like, yes, you should go pursue your passion and entrepreneurship. But when you're talking about pivoting for uh, you know, growth and, and clear uh, strategic decisions, the first question I ask is, how well do you get leads? And so it's like, if I want to go test out a new platform or a new way of putting out content or something like that, then is it going to bring me more leads? And I I look currently like, how am I getting leads? Am I getting enough leads? And then the second question would be, how well are you converting those leads? So if you're getting a hundred leads a day and are they, are they unqualified? Are they converting? Is it your messaging? Is it your offer? Typically it's your offer. That is why people can't convert. That's the, the most important part, I think, of running any type of successful uh, online business that scales is having a great offer that does the heavy lifting for you. That way you don't need the perfect message. You don't need the, you know, like free, free is a great offer to anybody. It doesn't matter whether or not they're your target customer, right? So, you know, incorporate some type of free into your offer, but uh, that's really the second piece. And then the third piece is uh, really upsells. And that's, can you extract I, you know, I hate to say extract additional value, but provide more value to your customers by having other services. So you don't need an upsell, but if you have, let's say a lower ticket offering and uh, let's say you bring in 10 people in the door and, you know, 10 people take that offer, that lower ticket product or service. Well, one of those 10 people might, might buy a higher ticket product from you. So maybe that initial offering is like, Hey, it's a $500 growth service or something. And maybe maybe one of those ten people might buy a two or three thousand dollar consulting package. Um, just just for example. So by not having that, you're not able to to give that value to that person. And it's very simple. For the same cost of those ten people to bring them in the door, the same cost of lead acquisition. If that one person takes that higher ticket offer, well, then you just double or triple your revenue for the same same cost of that lead acquisition. So. Those are the first three questions I ask. So it's like, hey, if I want to improve my business, if I want to make any pivots, well, it's going to be for the purpose of driving sales. So I'm not going to make any pivots or adapt because um, just because I want to. It's because you should be sales focused and outcome driven always. And it's going to start with, is it going to get me more leads? Is it going to increase my conversions? Maybe I want to structure my offer differently or I want to bring a new offer to market. You know, that's fine. So that would be uh, my three questions that I would ask to make a decision on whether or not I want to go put in more time and energy elsewhere in the business. Does that make sense? Is that way to formalize? No, it's perfect. I think, I think uh, it's a good way to, to summarize it for people who actually need an action plan. They can listen 
they can write it down uh-huh. and they can go and say step one, step two, step three. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm at. And this is what I should be doing. Yeah. I think uh, very analytical, maybe a simpler answer is just if you see an opportunity, just go, go capitalize on it. If, if you really think there's something like just go implement it fast, right? Like your speed. I love it. That that's, that's, just like Gary Vee, I love it. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. You know, test, iterate. That's what I see with a lot of companies um, that I work with. The most successful ones are the ones who are very fast, especially with the times like COVID. Mm-hmm. The successful companies that I've seen scaling and killing it in the market are the ones who just picked everything up. Mm-hmm. No questions asked. They just completely changed their models. They figured out how to scale, how to grow in this new environment. Mm-hmm. And they have really that... I guess it's more of a drive or, or grit and perseverance where they're just like, you know what? It sucks. Well, let's just make the best out of it and let's just pivot. Yeah. You got to focus on solutions, not the problems. And so many people just focus on the problems and they just sit of, oh, what if this goes wrong? Or, oh, what if this happens? Or, oh, and that's when you, you go into that fearful mode that you don't make a decision and you don't take action because you're trying to plan because you're trying to plan to be comfortable. And there's no planning to be comfortable, right? Like when you're going and doing something, it's going to be uncomfortable. That's how you grow. Everyone knows that. So yeah, taking that, that speed and just, like I said, ideas are, are easy. You know, you come up with a plan in five minutes. It's, it's going and doing that plan. Just go make it happen. That's, that's what you need to do. But Paralysis by analysis. Isn't that the best thing? <laughs> yes. Um, Okay, so your Netflix show. Yes. Let's let's get into that. You know, I'm I'm already manifesting it into the universe that it is going to be the new Netflix special, <laughs> Netflix original series. Now you're going to discuss the digital nomad life of entrepreneurs, which is kind of I assume now with COVID and everybody's at home, mm-hmm. everybody's kind of a digital nomad. <laughs> sure. But what is the show going to be about? It's really just a document. It's it's a documentary. So. Uh, before I started my funnel factory, right? I think everybody has the question or a lot of people really have the question of, it starts with Instagram. You, you've seen over the past couple of years that you see these people go and build you know, seven figure businesses and have the Lamborghinis and have nice clothes and designer stuff. If, if that's you know, important to you, you see them traveling the world, seemingly living this just perfect life, right? Like it's a dream come true. And everybody's seen that. And the thing is, well, most of those people that have that life, uh, they're either faking it, which is very popular on Instagram. And I'm not calling anybody out, but... It's like fire fest. It's a fire fest. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's not, you know, there's, they're living their best life to promote a certain lifestyle that's, that's not real for marketing purposes. So there's, there's that side of it. And then there's the people who actually really made it happen. And they don't tell you about the struggles and like the day to day, what it took to go and build. For me, it was, let's say, make a million dollars. And so I had all those questions when I was at my corporate job and it took me a while to really make the decision to just leave, uh, you know, a six figure job that I got out of college, everything was great. And then to go decide, like, like you gotta be a little bit crazy. Just be like mid pandemic, I'm going to go leave this guaranteed cushy job and just go start a business. But so I had that question of like, what does it actually take to go and make a million dollars? Like, what does it take to go travel the world? What does it take? You know, is it all real? Is it, are these people actually happy? You know what I mean? And so that was really the the central question. And uh, even like Instagram verification, like we're on the, you know, this podcast, but it's like the articles, you know, like you see all these people and they're like, oh, you know, I'm so grateful to be in like Yahoo Finance. And it's like, you obviously paid for the article. 
And I'm not hating on that. Like, go get press. Go be an authority figure in your industry. But it's like, you know what I mean? There's just a certain way that people present it. And it's like, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go on a press tear shortly and I'm going to get 15 or 20 articles and I'm going to go and get verified because that's what it takes. And I'll, we'll pay somebody. Absolutely. I will pay for the blue check mark because it's available in the market and that'll give me the credibility. That's going to put a lot of momentum in my business. But I wanted to document that, you know, before it happens, like, Hey, I'm going to go pay for this blue check mark today. Not in like a scammy way. Uh, like realistically, I, you know, have someone in my network that I know for a fact can go and get me uh, a blue check on Instagram and when the time is right. But I wanted to document all of that. And so it was really a thing of I'm 25 years old. I have these questions. I'm going to go start my business and I want to go travel the world at the same time. I wanted to do the digital nomad lifestyle and wake up in, uh, in Fiji and just, you know, and have just no, not no responsibilities, but not really own anything, not be tied down to any location, just be 25 and go see the world. I mean, it's a big world out there. And it's totally possible by just having your phone and your laptop to, to, to really be anywhere in the world and make an income. That's the beautiful thing about entrepreneurship. It's a beautiful thing about uh, 2020 and the world that we live in now, especially with you know, this, this huge shift online is you can go and make a living anywhere in the world and, and not have any central location to be tied down to. And so I would say go do it when you're young, but I'm going to document the whole journey. So for me, specific goal-wise, is inside of ClickFunnels. Uh, there's the Two Comma Club Award, and uh, JT Fox kind of gave me, you know, a little, a little. Um, he was like, ah, oh, you know, don't, don't make it like outcome driven like that. You want to help people, and you're gonna put it out to the world. But it's a personal goal, and it's kind of a central theme. Is like, you know, I want to, I want to get the Two Comma Club Award this year by helping people. Let me just put that out there, right? By really helping people and providing value. But I want to make a million dollars inside of ClickFunnels, and so that's. The end goal of the year, I'm going to document the travels. I'm going to Fiji in January or Bali, one or the other. It really depends uh, how things open up. But starting in Bali, I'm going to hop around different islands. I'll do a Europe tour um, and just go place to place and, and build this you know, seven-figure uh, funnel inside ClickFunnels and get the award and document the ups and downs, document it all, document the, uh, the life experience. The live broadcast is going to be a, a great way to actually bring a lot of that that out. I'm going to interview entrepreneurs, you know, all over the world uh, using that live broadcast. And I think I can sell it to, to Netflix. So whether or not I'm able to sell it to Netflix, if I want to distribute it myself, I'm just going to document everything, you know, like uh, the actual funnels, the, uh, the, the articles and, you know, the, the different hacks. Like I'm testing out this new bot on Instagram. That's also great that I'm not going to tell anyone about, but it's, it's not an animation. It's like, it might be the next like story viewer on Instagram. So like I'm testing that out right now. Like the LinkedIn is going really well. I want people to know it's like, oh, I did this and I got this amount of business. You know, I made this amount of money, not in like a flex way, but it's like, I had this idea, I tested it out and this is what it did for me, you know, or like, this is how it failed and this is how I adapt. And I just want people to see what actually, what it actually takes. Cause I'm, I'm very confident. I'm going to go hit that uh, two comic club this year. So I'd like to get, you can't go back. You can't go back and get the footage. You know, you can't go back and, and wish you got we already We already recorded this all on here. So technically you're already committed. I'm committed. You're, yeah, this is it. This is it, yeah. Committed. You have to get the award now. I'm all in. Yeah, I'm all in, so. Okay, so when do you start your plan? When, what is, is there a deadline that you gave yourself that you're gonna get everything you want by a certain date? December December 31st is a good goal. It's really about the experience and the impact. Though. 2021. 2021, yes. Yes. 
Done. So you have basically 12 months to get it all completed. I love it. Yeah, a full year. Um, and so last year I did my first Instagram giveaway the beginning of January. So I actually have a, a thing to post, but it was like, yeah, this year is going to change my life. I've been doing, like, it was like a nice little post. It's going to be the first post of, you know, January 2nd. I did that a year ago. And so same kind of thing is I'm going to piggyback off of that, but I have a year to go and, and make this happen and to document it all. So I'm starting my travels mid-January um, and it's going to be great. I'm going to enjoy it every step of the way. So I love it. And I can't wait for all of us to watch your success, progress, learn from you. And I will welcome all and every tip about social media, marketing funnels, bots, everything in between. I'm excited to watch your, your, I guess, your journey. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. Um, if anyone wants like more information, uh, link in my bio, but I am teaching uh, the live broadcast, uh, how to launch one in less than 24 hours of workshop right now. And then if anyone wants to work with me, um, so I no longer do the agency type model. I've purely just been doing coaching to teach people organic marketing, how to actually learn the sales funnels themselves so that they can control it uh, so that they have the actual knowledge. They don't have to rely on anybody. And I'll give them the templates and all the, the things that we kind of talked about uh, in this, uh, on this show. And uh, I'll give you the exact templates that I use. So you can go to the link in my bio. Uh, under the influence is the broadcast, you know, follow the journey. Uh, this year for the documentary. And um, yeah. Yeah. So where do people find you? So Instagram, LinkedIn, hashtags, everything. Tell us everything. Sure. Yeah. So on Instagram, it's the Nick Silva. On LinkedIn, I believe uh, it's just Nicholas Silva is my username, but you know, send me a connection request there. I'm uh, switching a lot of my activity over there. I'm still going to be on Instagram, of course. And then I do have a- Don't put a message in there. Just send him a connection request. He'll know what that means. Just send me the connection request. Exactly. And then that's it. My, I don't know my TikTok, but after your, your million views, uh, I have to start, that's the last thing I have to start getting active on. And Clubhouse, it's just Nick Silva. So follow me on everything. Um, I have a Twitter. I'm sure if you search my name, that'll pop up. Nick Silva. And then, um, and that's really it. But yeah, get in contact with me if you have any questions about organic marketing or sales funnels in general. If you want that free strategy session, I'm still doing them through, uh, through December. Maybe I'll do one the first, the first week of January. I'm actually cutting that down, but yeah, reach out. So I love it. Okay. So before you go, we ask every millennial that comes on the show, three things. A millennial is a millennial should be, and a millennial is not. Are you ready? Uh huh. A millennial is a millennial is someone I think that was born of uh, the technology age, social media. That's really, you know, not afraid to to go out there and uh, just what I want to say, like disrupt the status quo. I think I think that's what I think of with millennials. Like a millennial should be to answer that question. Dis I think disruptive. I really think a millennial is disruptive. They're not going with like the, the, just the lines of society and they go in and really do what they want for, you know, personal happiness. And they're not afraid to just go out and venture and, and see the world and uh, connect with people. And yeah, a millennial should be disruptive. And a millennial is not. A millennial is not. That's a tough one. I, I thought about, um, I would say like basic, that <laughs> just sounds like a, a weird answer, but, uh, Love it. <laughs> yeah, millennials not basic, right? Like everyone else is just basic. The other generations, millennials are just not. They're just the most fun, the most exciting. Gen Z too. 
So those, those are my answers. I love it. I love it. Well, with that, I mean, thank you for being with us. Thank you for teaching us so much. And I can't wait to see what 2021 brings for you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And I really do wish you the best of success as well. We'll have to stay in touch. Oh,